Hello and welcome to PwC IFRS Talks, our IFRS podcast series. This is your source of all things IFRS, our technical matters, hot topics, current standard setting and regulatory updates. I'm your host, Ruth Prudy. In today's episode, we're going to cover IFRS 16, which is the new exciting leasing standard, which is replacing our old IS 17. I'm joined today in the studio with Jessica Ture, one of our partners in our accounting consulting group, who chairs and leads our leasing working group within our global community. Welcome, Jessica. Hi, Ruth. Happy to be here. (laughs) Good. Welcome. So, first of all, before we get started, what do you think the new IFRS 16 is? What's the biggest impact it's going to have? Well, the biggest change is that it's going to bring almost all leases on balance sheets. Entities are going to have to have a right-of-use asset and a corresponding liability, regardless if the lease was previously an operating lease or a finance lease in the past under IS 17. Um, And clearly, then, that's going to have an impact on KPIs and other um, measurements that entities do on the face of the balance sheet. So the new standard requires everything if it's a lease to bring it onto the balance sheet. That's the big change. Yeah, almost. There are some exceptions. Um, The first one is short-term leases. And the second one is leases of low-value assets. So could you explain that to us? What is short-term? Yeah, so leases that are considered short-term are those that have a lease term of less than 12 months, assuming any renewal options are not reasonably certain to be used. And there can't be any purchase options in those leases. That would be considered short-term. Okay. And then what's low value? Is there like a bright line and a standard that we can look at? Not really. Basis for conclusions of the standard makes reference to leases with a value of less than US $5,000 when an item would be new. But it's not really like bright line. It's more about the type of asset they were trying to capture. So things like cars would always have to be considered to be um, a lease or wouldn't be able to be low value. But things potentially like photocopiers are probably less likely to you know, exceed that threshold. Yeah. So companies need to look out for those exemptions to see when they're implementing the standard. What does the definition tell us? What is a lease? So I for 16 defines a lease as a contract that conveys the right to use an asset for a period of time in exchange for consideration. The definition requires an identified asset, and that identified asset can be either explicitly specified in the contract or implicitly specified at the time the asset is made available for use. So, for example, if I wanted to use an asset to perform a specialized bit of work and that was the only asset that could be used, then implicitly that's the identified asset, even if it might not have been explicitly stated in the contract. Okay, so you talked there a little bit about it's got, you convey the right to control the use of an asset. In layman's terms, what does that actually mean? So, um, it really is that the customer has the right to obtain all the benefits from using the asset during the period of use and that they can direct how and for what purpose the asset is used. So let's take an example. So assume I want to get from London to Bristol. I can hire a car or I can take a train. If I hire the car, I'm responsible for the damages done to the car. I'm the driver. I can stop and bath along the way and enjoy the town. I hire the car for the day and I can do whatever I want in that period of time. However, if I had taken the train, then I'm being offered a service. The train follows a specific route and I cannot control the train. I would definitely take the train. I hate driving. Do we think there's anything that maybe was a lease under IFRS 17 that wouldn't be a lease under IFRS 16 or vice versa? Well, many companies today have contracts that include both an operating lease and a service, and they don't really separate out the operating lease component. And that's because the accounting for an operating lease or a service supply arrangement under today's gap is there's no recognition on the balance sheet. And normally it's just a straight line expense recognizing the profit and loss over the period contract. But under the new standard, the treatment of the two components will differ as the lease component clearly will need to be grossed up on the balance sheet. 
However, um, unless you would have a practical expedient by class of underlying asset not to separate non-lease components, i.e. services, from lease components. If they decide to apply that exemption to each lease component and the associated non-lease component, they're all accounted for as a single lease component. So the service component will either be separated or the entire contract will be treated as a lease. Understand now the definition, and you said at the beginning we've got to recognise everything on the balance sheet. So we've got this right of use asset, and then we're going to recognise a liability. How do we recognise those and measure those? So a lessee would have to recognise a liability at the present value of its lease payments, and then the right of use asset would be initially valued at the liability plus any initial direct costs, any dismantling costs, and any payments made before the lease commences. So the right of use asset, I live in the world of assets, that, is that just like how we treat PP&E under IS-16? Yeah, exactly. I think the board wanted it to, to be similar. So the right of use asset would be measured in the cost model, normally depreciated as depreciated under IS-16. If it meets definition of investment property or it's a type of an asset for which the company would normally do the revaluation model for, then they can use the fair value okay. model. And then, of course, it's subject to impairment under IS-36. My favourite. Mm-hmm. So, and then the lease liability, is that just like a financial liability? Absolutely. Financial liability, using amortised costs, so you'd recognise interest on the lease liability. Tricky bits, what interest rate to use, rate implicit in the lease with the incremental borrowing rate, and the liability will reduce over time as the lease payments are made. So I think that we've got a great understanding of what lessee accounting is. Gone are the days of uh, financing or operating leases and everything is going to be on the balance sheet. Has the same change been for lessor accounting? Actually, no. There's not really much change uh, for lessors. Um, lessors will still have to identify operating leases and finance leases and account for them the same way as they had before. So what's on the? if you have a lessor and lessee, it's not reciprocal. We're going to have different accounting. That's right. That's bizarre. Is there any, thinking of the people that are listening today, is there any particular industries that you really think this is going to have a big impact in that they should start thinking about it? Well, clearly the retailers, right? They yeah. lease most of their space for all their stores um, and therefore they could have significant assets and liabilities appearing on their balance sheet as a result of that. Airlines, I mean, that was one of the reasons why the standard was yeah. actually um, derived. So David really very much wanted an airline company to have an airline on, on its balance sheet, balance sheet airplane on its balance uh-huh. sheet. Transportation companies, shipping, um, telcos, pharma, and then I suppose real estate, but more from... They're lessors, so potentially having the lessees coming to negotiate with them around the terms of their leases to see how they can minimise what that lease payment would be on their balance sheet as a liability. I suppose when I think about IFRS 16, I love debits and credits, but it feels much broader than that. So what other impacts is it going to have on a business generally? So clearly systems and processes. So um, do you have a system for gathering all your leases and do you understand all the terms in them? And how are you going to actually account and get these on your books, um, the asset and the liability? It's going to impact KPIs, so things like EBITDA clearly, because you now have an asset that you're depreciating and you'll have interest on your lease liabilities. If you have more liabilities on your balance sheet, it could potentially affect your loan covenants and your gearing ratios. And lastly, just commercial negotiations, really. I can honestly see, as I said before, for like the real estate lessors, I can honestly see lessees coming and sort of looking to renegotiate their leases to try and put in potentially more variable lease payments or other things that would minimise the carrying value of that liability on the balance sheet. Okay, so that sounds like lots of work. The effective date isn't for a while, it's the 1st of January 2019. So all the question I always get with new standard implementation is surely I don't need to think about it yet. 
I'm sure you've got a message on that one. <laughs> no, I, I, I think um, companies need to start now. And actually, a lot of companies have already started. Yeah. Um, you, you know, you really need to identify all your contracts, understand whether they are leases, um, thinking about systems, you know, which vendors are you going to look to help you to implement it to the extent you've got significant ones. And equally thinking about, well, how am I going to transition? Because the standard gives you options to do that. Yeah. That's like a massive compliance exercise, isn't it, that people sort of need to start now. So you just mentioned transition. Is there any options to make transition easier? Do we just have to do full retrospective or...? Well, full, re- full retrospective is always an option, but the board also put in a what they call a modified retrospective or a simplified approach, which would mean the companies wouldn't have to restate comparative information. Sort of that cumulative effect of applying the new standard would go through opening maintained earnings at 1 January 19, assuming you're a calendar company. And they put in some bits around sort of grandfathering and, and other sort of practical expedients. So, for example, you don't need to revisit whether something is or isn't a lease. So if you concluded that something wasn't a lease under IS-17, you can grandfather that and not have to bring it on the balance sheet or reassess whether it would meet the definition of a lease under IFRS 16. But if you do that, you have to do that for all your contracts. You can't pick and choose which ones you might want to think are leases or not. And another one is, is sort of around, um, when you do put that right of use asset on your balance sheet, how do I think about impairment from that perspective? And they sort of said, well, if you've done something like an IS-37 owner's lease contract provision, you don't then equally need to do impairments. You only sort of need to do an assessment once to understand. Um, okay, so you don't have to then go to IS-36 and look at Not necessarily, no. Okay, that's really helpful. So I think today what we've gone through is from a lessee perspective, there is going to be a big change. We're going to be bringing all assets, the right of use asset onto the balance sheet. Obviously, a key thing there is to look out for the what is the definition of a lease and do you fall within it? We heard about some of the exemptions, so short term and low value, and then lessor accounting, which sounds like it's relatively unchanged. And then really, I suppose the key message is to start looking now. It's a big exercise. Look through your contracts and think about, are you going to take some of a release on transition? Thanks very much for joining us, Jessica. That was really helpful. We hope to hear you again soon in the podcast studio. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like further information on IFRS 16 and some of the practical implications, you can find lots of publications on pwc.com slash IFRS. I'm Ruth Preedy. Happy accounting. The preceding programme was brought to you by PricewaterhouseCoopers LLP. This content is for general information purposes and is not a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.